0: Hello and welcome to They Just Get It. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm, and I'm sitting here with my guest on my first episode of The Fringe, Miss Adele Emelson. How are you, Adele?
1: I'm good. Yeah, thank thanks. you
0: so much for joining me. And we, we are socially distanced. This is uh, recorded during COVID, which seems to be the world we live in these days. But this is the first time I've recorded, quote unquote, in studio for about 11 months. So even to sit six feet away from a guest is a really exciting, is a really exciting time. So thank you very much for joining me. I'm really excited to chat with you tonight on so many fronts. One, I've just met you recently. Really curious about your background, your history. But you're an Iboga shaman. Our boga practitioner, facilitator. I probably didn't get that 100% right, but maybe let's start a little bit just for the audience. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, what's Iboga for where people go, I'm tuning out. I have no idea what these guys are talking
1: about. Okay. So Iboga is a visionary plant medicine. It originates from Gabona, Africa. I was introduced to Iboga by a friend, like a very, very dear friend who happened to be listening to a another podcast by Joe Rogan on the topic of iboga, and it's used for physical healing, um, spiritual healing, and spiritual discovery.
0: Okay, so would this be put into a category of is it considered a psychedelic?
1: It is considered a psychedelic, um, and if you know about different psychedelics like ayahuasca, psilocybin, iboga is considered um, the godfather. This, it's, it's a it's kind of like the master psychedelic it carries the spirit of both the, the masculine and the feminine a lot of people hear of ayahuasca's the grandmother um, but aboga aboga carries both of the spirits
0: Okay. Well, okay. Tell me more about, okay. I I like, let's, let's give the audience a check in here to catch up. So when you think about the world of psilocybin, I think a lot of people have heard Mm -hmm. of it as magic mushrooms, probably Mm -hmm. a little bit more. You've got LSD exists in that you've got, get into mescaline, peyote. You talk about ayahuasca. is there even just a scale at which these operate or just to give people context, because some people I'm sure have heard a lot of these, you think about, oh, I took mushrooms and I went to a bush party and hung out on the weekend mm-hmm. and, oh, I, you know, I was uncomfortable or I had a great time versus talking about this, which feels like it's much more on a like a, I don't want to say higher level. I'm, I'm, ga- I'm gauging them in my mind mm-hmm. of putting mushrooms and psilocybin is down here. And then you get into the aboga, ayahuasca, mescaline peyote world. Is mm-hmm. that just at another level in terms of scale of psychedelics?
1: I would say yes. Um, okay. I've tried most psychedelics, and I've never experienced anything like this. Um, it's with other psychedelics. Uh, there's a lot of different visuals, um, also like fractals. But with a boga, it's like you're almost in a an awakened dream state. Um, the visions are quite; they're very realistic. It, it's like you're you're watching a movie or watching visions on a computer screen. And these visions come from the spirit of a book and they also come from your soul. It's a medicine that I I explain it like kind of like the ghost of Christmas past, like Ebenezer Scrooge. Okay. So the, when you take the medicine, um, you're able to access your past. So your, your soul will come and take you on a life review. So you're able to process and, and relive through traumas, um, the nice thing about when, you, when this happens, because a lot of times when we look back at traumas or think back to traumas, it's that emotional attachment that makes it really hard to process. But with a boga, it's, it's almost like you're watching it from a third person. So there's no emotional attachment. It gives you the opportunity then to heal, process, and let go of, of that situation. And with most, with most issues like depression, that comes from fear of our past. Right, and if we don't ever want to process something from our past, we'll avoid it. Um, and again, with anxiety, that's fear of the future, like worrying from worrying about anything, and it's usually from a past we don't want to relive. The past we're worried about it coming up in the and future, then, and we create a story around it. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, a boga.
0: Okay, from that perspective, just you know, I have so many, I have a million yeah, questions, but we're just getting started. So this is a perfect mm-hmm. timing. So when I'm thinking about that, am I in a conscious state? Like uh, it sounds like my ego has also kind of stepped mm-hmm. out of the out of the picture here for a little bit, which I've been reading a lot more about psychedelics and the therapeutic values mm-hmm. because the the ego kind of goes offline.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what what the ayahuasca uh, medicine does is it actually turns off your mind. Uh, to have you have to have the right amount of medicine that your thinking mind is shut off. So now you're strictly just dealing with your subconsciousness and it's a communication with your soul. So you're more receiving as opposed to you're exploring. Um hmm.
0: So from a chemical perspective, like, so we, well, I think we can go down two paths here. There's mm-hmm. the, the spiritual, and as you talk about soul and, and connection to the the greater, that universal mm-hmm. thing that's out there, whatever you want to call it or whatever you subscribe to, but chemically in your brain. So what you said, your brain shuts off. So what is happening from a chemicals perspective? Cause you, yeah, let's maybe break. You ingest this, correct? You is this something you take orally? Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. It's, um, so I work with the root bark with the, okay. with the total alkaloid of the plant, so you do, um, it's basically like if you were to peel a carrot and then pe- grind up that dried peel, that's what you're ingesting. Hmm,
0: okay. And this comes from a, like a, a shrub slash a bush in Gabon, Africa. Is that correct? correct? Okay. Yeah.
1: So it is the root bark.
0: Interesting. And there's kind of a funny story how like, uh, sorry, mm-hmm. I heard a story. I listened yeah. to a podcast. Yeah. I think it was, uh. Aubrey Marcus was talking about how a boga was even discovered. Because this has been around for, I don't want to say the beginning of time, but for an extended period of time mm-hmm. in terms of part of evolving civilizations. Correct. So tell tell, tell, the, tell this, because I think the story is so, it's cute. I don't know if that's the right thing to say, yeah, the right
1: thing to call it. Yeah, the story is brilliant, actually. Um, so there was a, um, a pygmy or a babongo in the forest, and he had traps where he would catch bushmeat. And one day he went out to check all of his traps and he checked each and every one and it wasn't until his last trap that he found a porcupine. So he was incredibly excited that he found this porcupine. On his way back home, he stopped at um, a palm tree where he collects palm wine and celebrated and drank some palm wine. Uh, A little bit more than usual because he was very, very happy about this porcupine. So when he got home, he gave the porcupine to his wife and said, cook this for dinner, I'm gonna go lay down, wake me up when when it's finished. So his wife cooked the porcupine and when she went to wake him up, she wasn't able to. Um, he had a bit too much palm wine, so she said, you know what, I've cooked this, I'm gonna eat it. So she sat down and ate dinner. And she started to clean up when she was finished and she noticed she was starting to feel different You know, she was getting hot, she was getting a bit dizzy, and she was really confused because she hadn't drank anything, she hadn't taken anything, and it got uh, so so strong that she actually had to lay down, and when she did that, it was like a computer screen, like a TV screen appeared in front of her, and she saw like all the inner um, relationships of the people in the village, she kind of saw everyone's secrets, what's been going on. Um, she was talking directly with her soul, and she was given all these incredible insights. And when she woke up in the morning, she went and she grabbed her husband and said, "Oh my God, this is what happened. Um, it was completely magical. I don't know how to explain this." And the husband's like, "This can't. This can't be true. Like, how how could you have figured this out? We need to go to the to the shaman and talk with him." So they went. The husband and the wife went to the shaman, and they told them this. Told him the story, and the shaman you know, put two and two together, that it was something that she had eaten. So the shaman asked that the husband take him to the trap where where the porcupine was found. And when they looked around, they saw that the porcupine had been eating some roots. So the shaman collected some of the roots and took them home. And he asked his wife if she would try them if she would eat them
0: okay everybody's making their wife eat the guinea pig (laughs) on this whole thing like that's not lost on me in the story
1: yeah and there's like reason for that um i'll tell at the end so the the shaman's wife ate the the root and she had the same experience like a very very spiritual experience was given like infinite truth and wisdom and from that point on they started using the plant the root um for for healings for knowledge um, and because it was the women that that found first eighth root, women are are regarded very high in Buiti tradition. So, women are considered like the great healers, and the men are the shamans.
0: Interesting, oh, and,
1: and not I, that the women can't be, but yeah, it's just. Yeah.
0: And I always, so the great healer versus shaman, just mm-hmm. even, that, I think that's maybe a whole another podcast, mm-hmm. but, cause I think of shaman, I think of that as a healer, but that's also more the like wisdom and mm-hmm. the, like the keeper of that knowledge versus the healer. I, I always kind of just would have associated those two things as almost one. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. it can be, but, but it can be, of course. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and off. usually
1: the women are actually the chiefs. Uh, of, interesting. Uh, yeah.
0: Well, if they've got all the wisdom and all the vision, mm-hmm. then that makes, that makes, that's who you, that's who you want in the lead. And so do, do we have a time frame on this story or is this just a story that gets been passed around, around the fire from children to grandparents to like for generations? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I do know this goes back because they had, fa- they have found a boga in, in Egypt in the pyramids. So if, you know, we think about how old the, the pyramids are, right. It, this dates back to that time and even before then. So even before, I mean, What I was taught by my my teacher, Maganda, um, that this is like tens of thousands of years, this tradition of how long they've been using it. Well, the more
0: you start reading about it and exploring the history of psychedelics and they start mm-hmm. uncovering and talking about how it's been repressed really in the last kind of 100 and 150 years. And I was just reading some interesting stuff about even Mexican culture and the Spanish invasion and how they suppressed psilocybin in that culture because it was a threat to God and the church and a lot of those things. But yet these were elements of their culture that had been there since kind of quote the beginning of their, their timeframes. Mm-hmm. So... Oh, so interesting, so so many, so many of these we're discovering like it's like we're somehow discovering it, but yet it's been around as, as, as human knowledge that mm-hmm. somehow was almost lost, but not so yeah. and, and here we said. So how did you encounter it the first time on your personal journey of just you know you're, you're now arrived, and you'll hope mm-hmm. a whole part of the show is also being able to talk to people of like how did you kind of stumble onto this as, as a part of your life in the first place?
1: well, I mean, I wasn't seeking it out for myself i had actually been looking my father was diagnosed with lung cancer and I was looking for alternative treatments and this was something that came up um, that just I had searched online I had a friend in California who had heard the podcast and said hey let's go down to Costa Rica and try this and I said yeah let's do it Um, in the meantime my father had ended up in the hospital and I backed out I didn't go so my friend John went down to Costa Rica without me he did his Um, He had his Iboga experience, and he got home, I believe on a Sunday, and he called me from California, and he said, I'm not getting off the phone until you book a ticket, until you book a plane ticket, and it took him two hours to convince me to book a plane ticket, and I did, and I left the next day, and I was kind of in my ignorance thinking I had nothing wrong with me, but in reality, um, I had an opiate addiction. I had been using cocaine, I alcohol, depression, anxiety, and it wasn't until I actually took the medicine that it showed me all of these things. You know, like where my depression came from, um, and I had a very significant trauma um, as a child. When I was four years old, I was abducted from a park and sexually abused. And from that experience, I developed an eating disorder. Um, I, I was cutting. Um, I started drinking really quite young. And then it's all just to numb, right? It's it's to avoid, avoid that pain, right? And this is incredibly common. And I was with my older brother that day at the park, and he was six, I was four. And after that after that time, my older brother became my protector, and when I was fourteen, my brother Kevin was killed in a car accident. So I lost my protector. I lost my like my everything, and again, that's really when I spiraled out of control, like absolutely spiraled spiraled out of control. Um. So. Being able, the, another really incredible thing I didn't know about a boga is we get to we have access to talk to ancestors, so we can talk to anyone's soul that we want. Any 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 soul that wants to talk to us, they can. It will talk to us. I got to see my brother again. I got to hear his voice. He told me all the things he wanted for for me to be. He wanted me to be happy, you know. Um, and the visuals, like not everyone gets visions. For me, I'm an incredibly visual person. So my visions came like I was sitting in a movie theater, like a really old movie theater with like red satin curtains with like the gold tassels and the curtains opened and then the visions just started coming and it was watching my my life. It was my life review. That's how it came. And it's real. It was real as like you and I. Like it's almost like I could touch it. And I'm wearing a blindfold and... When they very first started coming on, so in this blindfold, I noticed I could see uh, my own reflection. Like I, I actually thought there was like a sheer piece of plastic on the inside. And I put my hand up to touch it because I'm like, why can I see my eyes? And then I noticed that my eyes blinked out of turn. So I had this epiphany like, oh my God, this is my soul. And as soon as I had that thought, she smiled at me. And I said, I just said it out loud. I said, I love you. And then she said, I love you too. And that moment, and I was 34 years old. So in that moment, I, I had never, I never loved myself. Obviously, I, um, given my experience, like I had a lot of guilt. I had a lot of shame. Um, I, I blamed myself. Um, so that moment was the first time I had ever experienced love even though my family loved me, like people love me, but I just couldn't receive it. So it, that for me was a huge healing in itself, like just having self love. And then my soul started to tell me all the things that I was doing to her. And not only telling me she was showing me, like she showed me with my eating disorder, how it was like, causing her body to decompose and like with drugs it showed me how like my forehead was like caving and it was like it got hit with a wrecking ball and alcohol and uh, my negative thoughts and yeah like yeah, it's incredible. It's amazing
0: to to, th- to think about that, and it's it's such an interesting phenomenon when you like talk about self love and oh, but so many people care about you, but if you don't see that and you don't allow mm-hmm. that to be permissible, it can it it's irrelevant. It's just so easy to see. I've known so many people that have been depressed or been in those situations, and you and the, the world tries to justify, but no, 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 we see you this way, but it doesn't matter because if you don't see yourself that way, it's instantly irrelevant.
1: Oh, exactly. Um, so this is
0: your first experience and you didn't go down there with that as like, so when you went into, like, I, I also understand, everything. you go into this typically with, with, with a certain set of intentions. So I'm assuming that none of this was part of your intention bag when you went into this situation.
1: No, no. Well,
0: so your intention at the time, like after those two hours of being convinced, was it just to go have this experience? Cause maybe deep down you knew something, you said I'm all good, but deep down, was there something mm-hmm. just not right?
1: Well, I mean, here's the, the thing. Um, when I got picked up at the airport, I actually didn't even know if someone would pick me up at the airport because it was such a, a last-minute um, decision. So I did get picked up by um, an, another provider named Michael, and it was about an hour drive to get to a boga house. And so Michael Michael said to me, he's like, so why did you come here? He's like, what, what do you have to heal from? And I never spoke my story about what had happened to me out loud to anyone. Like I had kept that a secret. My brother and I had kept that a secret. And Oh,
0: so really your brother was the only person that knew that that happened. Yep. So when you say your protector yep. he was also he was also protecting your secret. Yes. Because of shame and because yep. we don't want to get in trouble and da-da-da-da. We didn't because. exactly. We didn't of want to course. get into trouble. Um, oh, wow. So I didn't clarify that part of the story because I'm yeah. picturing that this came out and you no. grew up in rural, in a rural, very, rural Alberta, yeah, very so a small very town. Rural. And so you probably knew your abductor mm-hmm. and all that fun. Yep. Stuff. So, anyways, yeah. So we're not to unpack that too much, but yeah. sorry. I just assumed that that was aware. There was an awareness around that. but no, your brother and you really would have had that terrible secret that you carried mm-hmm. around for years. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. I'm just no, I'm, I'm catching up it. with the
1: story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, it like just spilled out of my mouth to Michael, um, like that this had happened and like it was it was like once you commit to doing a boga it starts to work it starts to work on you before you even take the medicine it's it's a really it's such a powerful spirit that's how that's how it works so it's like I had come to the point where I need to let this go because this is actually really the root of my problem and what Iboga does is it, it, it takes you to that root and you're able to pull it out. It's like a sliver that has been healed over that's still causing you pain. And Iboga gets gets to it and pulls it out. So,
0: And that's interesting when you start thinking about the world of psychotherapy and some of the, there's there seems to be a really interesting wave right now if you listen to media and read certain where there is also a sudden permissibility around using LSD for testing. And then there's like mm-hmm. long-term cancer patients and terminally ill. And there's an interesting, and this, this listening to some of the talks I've been listening to, they said the scary part is this can have the impact of years of treatment or years of prescription meds in one or two treatments. Mm -hmm. And that's a really interesting world when you think of the world of drug dependency that we live on, whether prescription or otherwise, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, self-medicated or medicated by others to actually think about something that can, can get that quantum results that that, like with one treatment absolutely not not that that's easier it happens overnight but to think about that that's a really interesting ability to shift your psyche and like cover it over repair it heal it let's use Mm -hmm. the word heal yeah heal heal
1: for sure um and like my opiate my opiate addiction came from a car accident I had a car accident when I was 17 and I broke three vertebrae and I was put on um it oxys, you know, and when you're on them long enough and then you have trauma, underlying trauma, addiction is a really easy thing. I had, it was almost 15 years on opiates and because like Iboga also, it's an addiction interrupter and it, it's a, a very strong alkaloid that can detox your body in 24 hours. And once you have the insight as to where your addictions come from,
0: mm-hmm
1: it's very easy to reverse that because I could never imagine going back to the way I was. I actually haven't even, tu- I haven't touched an opiate since before my first debugger treatment in 2014.
0: So powerful to be able to push the reset and like that. It's something that only isn't psychologically that it's physically addictive or well, mm-hmm. there's multiple factors happening yeah. there. Uh, we can, uh, yeah, we'll get into that in this because I was doing some reading even about, um, elements of like people that are serious addictions and like mm-hmm. street level can't function in society and then being able to you know turn that around in a very short period of time i want to delve into i'm just so curious about uh, the what's happening in the brain from a like scientific and like physiology and chemistry perspective versus talking about the spiritual side of this and mm-hmm. the soul. And you know, my soul came to me is, you know, it's so easy for me to sometimes maybe explain that away of going, Oh no, that's your own subconscious processing things. And you're working through at that level versus thinking about this outside force coming in to, to help you mm-hmm. from yourself. And I know someone who has a background in science and understands from that perspective, What's the balance there? Like, do you is this a question that cannot be answered, or is it pretty cut and dry through your experience?
1: Um, so uh, both, <laughs> okay, both. fair answer. Okay. <laughs> so it completely resets our dopamine pathway. So if if we're no longer craving or needing that that dopamine, um, release, yes, um, we're no longer going to be seeking. Like, there's no drug seeking behavior. Um, also. Ibogaine or Iboga, it is metabolized in the liver to noribogaine, and that fits into so many of our receptors in our brain and it stays in there. So we we aren't looking to use. So it works like for opiates. It works for nicotine. Um serotonin like all of these all these and neuro anything stuff, yeah. that we
0: chase to trigger those pleasure centers in our brain serotonin exactly. and dopamine which you know at a pedestrian level most of us have heard of it and mm-hmm. we chase those little hits all all, yeah. all the time from from picking up our phones and seeing if somebody liked our post and the little right. hit we get off that like our yeah. world is is conspires to 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 poke us in that dopamine spot mm-hmm. but when you think about severe drug addiction i've done some research years ago just it was an article i wrote about obesity and some of the some of the behavior of overeating in correlation to a heroin addiction and how similar. It was basically identical. Mm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yep. And when I talked talked earlier about how it it turns off the fear center in our brain as well, the amygdala. So that's how we're able to process... Um, traumas without going into that emotional...
0: Without actually having to have the trauma happen again in your mind. Exactly. Oh, okay. That makes a lot of sense. And that's
1: a huge one for people to process a trauma without having an emotional attachment to it. Yes. Yeah.
0: Which ties into so like EMDR, some of the other things I've read about from a like from how do you move past like post traumatic stress disorder and what the, the myriad of places that can come. Mm-hmm. So thinking about how it can short circuit all that mm-hmm. chemically, but now let's talk about the spiritual part that comes in alongside that because that made a lot of sense and I get mm-hmm. it. But the spiritual part, I find, I think in our Western culture can be easily dismissed or minimized. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fluffy, or that's oh, that's the woo woo stuff. Of course. Let's talk about that. Well,
1: mm-hmm. I mean. And I mean, I, I I have to be honest, I actually had no idea of con- or concept of what a soul was. It was like a word I heard, a story, but because I had no um, personal experience, I didn't believe in it, right? It's like Santa Claus. And there's absolutely no denying uh, what I saw, you know, and what I experienced. And today, even now, and given I do work with Huboga Qu- Quite frequently, I can close my eyes and see my soul anytime I want. I know that she's always there. Um, the tradition I work in, a tradition, a huge part of it's a, in the psycho spiritual journey. It's a, a whole ceremony based on this. It's reconnecting with your soul. It's um, it's bringing the two of you back into one. Um, and when you realize that there's two of you. Um, it's a lot easier to, to stay on track you know they say that the soul is our first child you know and it's always with us it's our soldier our bodyguard gps it's everything and once you experience it and you know that it's a real thing it's you will never give it up
0: i'm picturing peter pan trying to stitch, <laughs> stitch his shadow back on yeah, again That's yeah. what, this the image that i have is listening to you talk so disconnected from our soul, that seems like such a overarching commentary on what happens mm-hmm. in our world, like, you know, oh, we're all disconnected. Well, disconnected from what? Disconnected mm-hmm. from ourselves.
1: Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you bring that up because I have a huge, one of the biggest teachings in We Tradition is it's that we are nature, you know, we are not separate from nature. And a lot of people, when they say they're disconnected, well, if we are nature and we aren't connected to ourselves. Like how can we be connected to anything else in nature? Right. You know, and it's don't abuse nature because when you abuse nature, you abuse yourself and the result is misery, you know,
0: for all parties involved. Yeah. So you're 34. You had your first experience, Mm -hmm. put you on a completely like life took a serious, 180, 360, spun around probably, maybe more 360 times two. Mm-hmm. Where where did it go from there? Was this just the start of obviously the long journey to get to it today?
1: Yes. Um. So my first ex, my my first journey was supposed to be my my detox, and all of the things that I did on my detox, I wasn't supposed to do until my next ceremony. But it, I just na- I naturally just surrendered and and everything just kind of flowed and happened. And the next day, when I was um, telling my my provider my experience, they're like, "Really, this is interesting." And then Muganda, Muganda came and talked to me, and I told him my experience, and he's like, "And you did all this on your own?" And I said, "Yeah, I, like, is this not normal?" Like, <laughs> I just had my I just had the experience I had. <laughs> yeah, right. And didn't he,
0: everybody have the same experience? Yeah,
1: because yeah. um, like, yeah, like my third eye opened, and when a third eye? I'd never even heard or had a concept of what this was, and I could see through my blindfold. I literally was holding my hands up, like looking at my hands. Like I remember, there was a point in the night where Maganda walked over to me, and I waved at him, and he just smiled. And I'm blindfolded, so after I told him my experience, he asked me, he said, "Do you want to work with this medicine?" And I said, "Yes." And he's like, "Okay, then we're going to start. We're going to start training tonight, like the next night," and. I did my psycho-spiritual, my, the next ceremony, and the one after that was my pre-initiation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, long story short, it, it took me six years before I actually went to Africa to do my full initiation. Because um, my father, my father's still alive. You know, he was, he was given six months to live six years ago. Mm. He's still here. So I didn't want to leave him, but um, COVID, offered me a beautiful opportunity to, you know, take a semester off university and go to Africa. So I took it, I jumped on it.
0: So six, six years ago, and so Muganda, who you just went to train with in Africa, was mm-hmm. there and in the experience with you the first time. So you've known him I've, through this journey through the whole entire six years. Yes, and when it comes to boga, is there certain, and again, this is maybe a silly question. I'm, maybe this is a Western question. Is there certain sects or certain groups that use it a certain way? And then there's other groups that use it other ways. I can only imagine over thousands of years of evolution, different tribes, cultures, sects have evolved into how this is, fits into their version of the world.
1: Yeah, uh, good question. Yeah, absolutely. So Muganda is from the Musoko uh, tribe, and it is the original um, f- of Buiiti tradition, there are, there are other sects of Bwiti So there's like the Fang, there's mbango or imbongo. Um But if it if it makes sense, and I mean it makes sense to me, these they've either added to the dr- tradition or they've taken something away. Okay. And to me, my understanding of tradition is it stays original, it stays the way it was meant to be, because oh. then it's no longer really a tradition. Right? No, uh, it's it's a rebrand. Yeah, it's a rebrand. <laughs> it's a rebrand. Exactly. We're
0: gonna call it this because we somehow want to own yeah. it, and then you sometimes humans get their stuff all over things, and like mm-hmm. oh, I want to make it my thing. And exactly. So the so the group, so the 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 world that you have pursued is what is falls a very traditional path.
1: Yeah, and Maganda, my teacher, he Maganda Mikala, he's a tenth generation shaman. So this is something that has been in his family li- lineage for like thousands years, and the tradition it's an oral tradition nothing is written down oh, you will not okay. find a single thing written on a piece of paper there and the way that they keep their tradition like so pristine is if you were to make a mistake even if it's in the middle of ceremony if you were to make a mistake they will call you out on it and correct you in that moment like they do not let anything slide like this is a tradition that has to be mastered and that's how it how it stays traditional
0: Which is arguably the old, the old way. It's Mm -hmm. very disciplined. There's an, there's an apprenticeship phase. There's always the master practitioner just, you know, to over, to overuse kind of Western terms to put against that. Mm -hmm. But there's always somebody who's the keeper of the knowledge. And then, Mm -hmm. and then there's the, the, the apprentice that comes along to to learn in the journey. So you, when you go into an aboga, it's called a ceremony, is that correct? Ceremony. And typically, and you walked me through the day when we were chatting a little bit, this is kind of a six day Mm-hmm. Not kind of a six day. It's a six, it's a six day process. Mm-hmm. So you go in, do the medicine. So Maybe just walk us through and we'll, I, I just want the audience to walk away really understanding what this oh, is all yeah, about. For
1: sure. Um, so when someone wants to stay with a book of medicine, um, when we need a target, you want to know exactly what you're seeking. And, um, there also is, um, medical, like medical, medical requirements. Like okay. you have to be fit to do the medicine And
0: define, define fit. Um,
1: so you have to have a healthy heart, healthy liver, uh, healthy kidneys. Um, asthma is, is, is another, uh, bit of a contraindication. Okay. Um,
0: And is it because it puts it, because it taxes the body physically through this process?
1: Um, yes. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's those things that have to be checked. Um, medications, um, you have to be off of SSRIs, benzodiazepines, um, and unless you're working with a very, um, skilled provider for drug detox, um, there are certain requirements for that too. If it's either, um, abstaining for up to 30 days, getting, you know, um, clean to that point. Yeah. That's what I, I did. I had to get clean th- for 30 days before I could do a boga. And it's, it's incredible that I, the funny thing is, is I actually ran out. Like, cause I hadn't planned to go until like the day before. Right. So it just magically happened for me. Um, the world conspires. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so once, once everything is good and you're good to go, um, the first ceremony is called it's your physical detox. Okay. So what that's going to do, it's going to detox anything, uh, that doesn't belong. And then it's also a mind detox. So, and that's where it, it ties into our spiritual issues. Because all mind issues are spiritual issues. Hmm. And a lot of the detoxes are false beliefs, um, are negative emotions. I
0: love the concept of detoxing my false beliefs. Yeah, right? That sounds amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I mean, for me, like, I, oh man, I was out to lunch. But, <laughs> you know, like aliens and the fifth dimension and, you know... Having oh all,
0: super super fun conspiracy stuff yeah okay. yeah yeah so having I, I all, feel the I feel the world's at plenty of that right now yeah. but again that's another podcast
1: I, well I mean yeah like we have to entertain ourselves um, <laughs>
0: touche yeah
1: so once once all that's detoxed and w- once you've got your mind your mind clear your body clear um, then we can and you'll take it'll take some time to land so the ceremony lasts anywhere from forty eight to seventy two hours. Um, oh, wow.
0: Okay. So if I start and we do this on a Friday night per se, mm-hmm. I'm going to be going through this experience until Saturday night, even right through until Sunday, And I'm not. I'm not sleeping. I'm conscious and awake yep. and lucid during these times. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Um, and a lot of it will, um, when the visual part wears off, if you are one of the lucky people that have visions or unlucky, however you want to look at it, um, it's more insight. And it, the 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 golden nuggets come from the insights, right? Um, that, that just the truth, like this medicine brings you to the truth, like Mm -hmm. that you can't lie to it it won't tell you anything that isn't true. It doesn't take over your mind. It just shows you how your mind works.
0: I liked what you said there. Cause I think there can be a fear. I've talked to people that have not tried psychedelics or they're like, I'm scared. I don't want to lose control. And they use that term, mm-hmm. which is, which is probably a whole nother series yep. of false truths. Um, but that whole concept, that's not what's happening here. And, it, and I'm assuming this isn't, this isn't a fast pace. You're not running a hundred mile an hour. This is a very gradual. Mm-hmm. You're still going at your own pace.
1: Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, with control, it, 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 will, it will absolutely show you that you haven't been in control. You've mm-hmm. been in an illusion of control. Some people have been. Like I can't, and so I can't say that everybody is or isn't. It's an individual experience. Yeah, completely. absolutely. Okay. Um, but most people aren't in control of their thoughts. You know, a lot of, a, a lot of people have very active minds and it will show you that. Um, you will come to a point where you have a clear mind and that's the goal because hmm. happiness is a clear mind. And when you can have a clear mind, you have a clear heart. So...
0: Is there any such thing as a bad trip on uh, on Iboga? And for anyone who has fooled around with psychedelics at all, there's always, the, oh, I took too much and I had a bad trip. Yeah. And like I think that also gets thrown around pretty easily. And mm-hmm. it's a nice thing to be scared of, but it's a it's a bit of a made-up beast in your in your mind of course. is that is that something that can happen because it forces does does it force you to confront and look at things that you maybe aren't ready to like like let's be honest our false stories we really love sometimes uh, yeah, which addic- we nurture them and water them and grow them and protect them
1: A <laughs> 100% yeah people are very addicted to their false stories mm-hmm. um if you're working with a good provider and you should always work with a trained provider it's good to clarify
0: this is a guided experience yeah, a as very well. someone's gu- there yeah. to help you
1: mm-hmm. it's a guided experience um because we have tools to use if somebody gets into a, a, a situation that they can't get themselves out of. Mm. Whereas if you were on your own, uh, it could become quite dangerous. And of course, there's dangers involved with psychedelics. Mm-hmm. But if you're working with, with someone who's trained and know what they're doing, it's, very, it's relatively very safe. Okay. You know? um, we've been trained to, to use our tools. But
0: you're, you're doing deep level change work. So sometimes you might get into things that Mm -hmm. you're like, that was a, that Pandora's box I didn't want to open, but Mm -hmm. yet if you don't open it, you're still lugging it around.
1: (laughs) Right. And part of the process before we even start our ceremony is called what we do is a screening. Hmm. Um, we get a, a really good history on who we're working with and part of the first part of the ceremony, it's called the fire talk and the fire talk is. McGgun um, says it's about sixty percent of the treatment, and it's literally just talking and it's it's sharing the teaching, sharing the knowledge of the Weedy tradition and relating it to each individual person and always coming back to just to the teachings um and to the counseling because it's if we have control of our mind, control of our thoughts, um, release our false beliefs and our emotions, a lot of people are really really tied to their feelings in the West. To understand that we're not our feelings they're a part of us but they're not who we are um, it, it gets us to a place where we actually can have control of our mind
0: interesting yeah. and so that I it's Friday night it's now Saturday am I am I am I falling asleep sometime in this pro to let some of this land a little bit Maybe. yeah <laughs> If yeah. that's even if that's the right term yeah I call it landing okay. totally I call it landing
1: <laughs> Um so some people can sleep Saturday night ideally most people do sleep Saturday night okay. um, pretty rarely that that it goes um, longer but it has okay. okay I mean it's absolute an absolute thing uh, I recently worked with someone who one of their biggest issues was insomnia
0: that's a that's a tricky one to go in with right
1: <laughs> right so it really showed them why they have insomnia and like their insight was. They never had a safe place to sleep as a child, mm-hmm. so as a child they were forced to stay awake because if they're awake, they're they're safe. I'm safe.
0: Back to the, just the basic human survival,
1: right? So actually realizing and recognizing that in the position they are in their life now, they are in a safe environment, and it's now safe a safe place to sleep. Um, it wasn't until then that they could actually surrender and like give themselves that gift of rest. So a is it's incredibly intelligent. It will teach you in a way that will, will show you it will, sh, it will show you like very physically. Um, and it's so, and
0: I I love that. I love that story. That's always been something I joke about. So when's the last time you asked a six year old for advice, literally every day, because six year old, you made all these decisions yep. and made all these beliefs that probably were serving at the time, mm-hmm. but probably don't serve you as a 35, 40 or 50 year old human. Where you don't even realize because these, these things, these beliefs are on autopilot.
1: Exactly. Yeah, for sure.
0: So the ability to go back without ego and without having to relive the trauma, but to be able to see it on a movie screen. I'm very visual. So I, I, mm-hmm. I'm resonating with that, yeah. with that for my own just way of seeing, of seeing things as you hear me talk. That's so interesting, but to not have the attachment of ego and be able to work through and go, oh, oh, I see how that's causing that. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need to do that anymore. And just as simple as that.
1: Yeah, it is. It's like snapping your fingers. Mm-hmm. It, it it's, it's that quick. Um,
0: and I could see for some people that like for different individuals that there's going to be more of those, might be a lot of fingers, like a lot of issues to go through because yeah. you've fabricated and built this very, mm-hmm. like we construct these stories and we're so rigid and, mm-hmm. and diligent at constructing them and cementing them in and steel girders and we can't touch them and they're behind a wall and all to be able to have that broken down. It's exciting, but it sounds, it could be a little scary too. At the of same course.
1: Time. Well, it's intimidating to, yeah. to think that this person that you believe that you are was really just a fabrication. <laughs> it was a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I know, right? But I, most people come out of it and they kind of, they like, they laugh. They're like, "Wow." Um, I hear a lot, and I don't ever feel like someone's wasted their life. I don't feel like I wasted 34 years of my life. Um, I appreciate that. I needed yeah. to. I needed to have those experiences to get to where I am today. You know, I, I, I I'm very forgiving of. Of who I was
0: does a boga through that process also give you some of that forgiveness we, we're crazy hard on ourselves mm-hmm. the proverbial we whatever that means yeah. but that we should have done this and should have like the shoulds don't should all over yourself as they say sounds like a boga uh, gives you a little bit of a pass on that
1: mm-hmm. totally yep completely um, yeah it's almost like it's almost like just getting completely washed clean You know, it's a huge self-forgiveness. Well, it sounds Uh, like
0: a rebirth to a certain extent. Yeah, absolutely. Again, to not over-dramatize some of those Mm -hmm. words, but to go back and go, hey, yeah, I learned everything I did. It was a great experience, but I'm going to come out and leave the things that are no longer serving me behind.
1: Yeah, and I mean, to compare it, I always compare it to this movie, um Shawshank Redemption mm-hmm. you know and Andy Dufresne breaks out of prison and he's crawling through the tunnel of shit <laughs> and you know and he finally gets out the other side and he, he comes out and it's raining and it like I literally did that after my first ceremony I sat up and I looked up into the sky and I put my hands up and it was like I'm finally out of it you know and it was just completely washed away
0: so you do your first weekend. That sounds so amazing. I'm just reveling in that mm-hmm. for a second. So we'll just let everybody sit and think about that experience because that's a great scene in shot. If you haven't watched it go watch it. Uh, you maybe sleep, maybe not on the Saturday, the Sunday you process and just have a day and, and as you said the noribugan is still in your system.
1: Absolutely. So you're
0: still doing I read I read online about the afterglow. Yeah, the program. afterglow. Yeah, and that people are like if you're fortunate enough to have the afterglow, it is the it is the one of the best. And then you do another you go in, you do another ceremony again. So this is like a six day period of time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you take a day in between to like integrate some, um, we do a lot of one-on-one counseling with, um, after your, after your treatment. So back to the ongoing support. Yeah. Ongoing this is support. part of the overall journey. Yeah. It's okay. incredibly supported. And then we, when we go into our second ceremony, it's called the psycho spiritual. So this is where you're going to meet with your soul. If you didn't meet your soul the first time, hmm. um, so you're you're going to actually have a, a conversation with your soul. Um you'll be you'll go on a guided a guided journey um where we do a body scan. Uh we go actually inside a uh, inside your body, heal anything um that doesn't belong. Um you're able to um go go places. You'll go we'll go to some very unique places. And that's where we'll get answers. So you'll prepare these questions prior. All the questions that you want to know the answer to. And we'll ask, I'll ask those questions to you. You'll repeat the question. And then the first answer you get, it, it's like an, the answer from your soul. And you speak it out loud. And I record it for you. So you're able to go back and listen
0: Oh, interesting. So you're recording these sessions?
1: I'm recording, and it's only mm. recorded on your phone. This is—I don't record it for myself. It's only okay. for you. Yeah. And um, I mean, I still listen to my my ceremony from 2014. You know, it's a, it's an incredible tool as a reminder, and like there's a lot a lot of benefits, and because you don't always remember, right? This is a 24 to 48 hour experience, so a lot of the the insights. Um, can get forgotten in that moment mm-hmm. but have, having the tool of being able to listen to it is incredible um we also if you had if you didn't do a life review we'll also do a life review then and a lot of the first ceremony is kind of like detoxing all the negative it's showing us all our traumas mm-hmm. um the psycho is where the magic happens it's like mm-hmm. there's a duality in the two ceremonies like there's light and dark so the the detox is more of the the dark or the masculine, you the f- know, and the false stories. Yeah, exactly. And the dark, again-
0: the dark is the masculine, <laughs> the light's the feminine. <laughs> oh. Just so I got that right. <laughs> mm.
1: Yeah, and the um, well, I mean, if you ever do the medicine, you'll you'll understand. You'll understand why.
0: <laughs> uh, I, I appreciate that. Ch- I, challenge accepted. Yeah,
1: and um, yeah, the spiritual, its um, it's where a lot of the good. I mean, I didn't have a lot of happy memories from childhood i took i just couldn't remember them and a big part of my my first uh, psycho spiritual was watching my childhood and all the times i was playing and happy and i remember michael um he came and he checked on me one time and he came up and he's like Adele, how's it going and my vision i was having at the time I was on like a, my tricycle sitting down on the foot pedals like and I like skidded around and I looked at him and I was like, I'm playing. And he's like, okay, go play. And then I just went back to playing. And it was incredible. Um, like, knowing that I had that kind of joy that I actually didn't remember. Mm. Um, it, it just it gave me like a really good feeling of knowing that my whole childhood wasn't lost, you know, right.
0: And get to re- kind of rewrite, rewrite the rewrite your own, rewrite the story. Yeah, just through remembering what gets blocked out and, mm-hmm. and but replacing bad memories or memories that were no longer serving you. I'll be careful with saying bad or good because yeah, yeah. that's easy to judge. Memories that weren't serving you in mm-hmm. the life that you wanted to live, and you know you got to do something different. You need to change the inputs and the outputs. Yeah, exactly. So, so you go and you do the second one And it's the same thing It's, a three, it's three days as well Yeah Does your body process the, the medicine differently Because now it's already in your system And like is it Do you take a lesser dose? Does it have different impact Like second time around?
1: Um, so good question um, Our body We do build it up okay. So I mean I, When I'm um, serving medicine I'm always watching for your tolerance mm-hmm. So if your tolerance has changed From the first ceremony To the second ceremony I'll know in the way that you're behaving so, and I'll adjust the dosage accordingly. Because
0: um, the noribogaine, the way it is, because it's fat soluble, did you? Yes. Uh, yes. So fat soluble, like you know, just simple, like ADE and K vitamins, you can overdose on them because they mm-hmm. build up in your system. Right. So your body's not flushing this out like a B vitamin or a C vitamin mm-hmm. that you basically just pee it out as fast as it kind of, as your body can process it. This builds up in your system. So it, it, there's becoming this chemical re- relationship inside your body with this substance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Sorry, yeah. ge- sorry, I geeked out there a little bit. Oh, no, second. that's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, and this afterglow that you you talked about, it, we call it the aboga glow. Um, it can last anywhere from a week to six months. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, because it is stored in our fat. And most people think like, oh, I don't have a lot of body fat. Um but our brain like your brain for sure Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> our brain is mostly fat so it lo-
0: it loves it loves to to, to binge on sugar yeah. but yet it really it, it survives on fat yeah. actually' that's what actually makes it up
1: you know and and the longer that you can stay like a clean vessel yeah. you know like don't go back to you know our old habits like caffeine alcohol cigarettes whatever it may be the longer that it will stay in your system you know it's like you're, you're doing yourself a service real and na boga service by you know staying And I'm assuming
0: that helps with some of the re imprinting of these new beliefs Mm -hmm. and not letting some of these old stories. Well, you sound like some of the things get wrapped up and put a bow on them and they're just gone. They're not, they're not going to come back because they're quote unquote resolved issues now. Mm
1: -hmm. And like, like I mentioned earlier, like that clear mind, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people find that they actually can't have thoughts. And that may sound like scary to someone who is like, <laughs> like, "You threw me off with that." You threw me off with that one. I, <laughs> like, I need my—I th- need to think. I need to do like live. Um, but it's—you don't have that chatter. You don't have the uh, monkey mind mon- anymore. It's
0: like you took the words I don't have yeah. mind. M- Monkey mind. Yes, v- very familiar. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, when you need to, your brain's a tool, your mind's a tool, and when you realize that it doesn't run me, I run it, then the, this hmm. fear of like, I, I'm not. I won't be able to use my mind. Well, now you're using it as a tool. Um, It's no longer controlling you. You're controlling it. Mm -hmm. And that's where people are like, whoa, I never had control before. Like that epiphany of, I had the illusion of control.
0: Yes, back to the, back to the, I don't, I don't want to lose control. I've heard that yeah. often when, as someone who's had, you know, psychedelics has been part of my life. I've, psilocybin has always been that thing that's it started off recreationally. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it started to become like more of a like, oh, this actually keeps me really level. And yep. so that's what I share with people. Like more and more there's curiosity, but if there's not, it's the, I don't want to lose control. And that's like, I don't do anything because I don't want to lose control. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be the the easy wall to throw up. And again, everyone has their own journey and they'll come to it when they come mm-hmm. at it. Where in this case, it's not that you're losing control, you're actually being given tools to access just such a deeper level of the things that are driving you and maybe ways and outcomes you don't want. So I'm assuming people come to this for personal growth,
1: mm-hmm. personal growth for sure. They come
0: to it for spiritual enlightenment and all the different, what that means. And you're, everyone has their own journey around that, Correct. but there's other a whole world around really deep addiction and yeah. recovery from addiction mm-hmm. that if you look at normal medicine, it, I would say it seems to has failed a lot of people in that, in, in that realm. So if you look at Iboga versus uh, Ibogaine, because mm-hmm. when I was doing some reading last night, they, that seemed to show up more as something that was related to drug detox Correct. than necessarily boga. Maybe just just so people can understand, because if, if you start searching, ibogaine almost seemed to come up first. It, it was like Google wanted to put that into my mm-hmm. search bar versus boga.
1: <laughs> yeah, so ibogaine is used strictly as an addiction interrupter, um, okay. and it's it's a very a very strong detox um, properties. I do not use ibogaine. Um, I use for, when I, when I'm going to be doing a drug detox, I use the total alkaloid. So it still has all of the spiritual aspects of the plant because I work within the Bwiti tradition, um, that I use the whole plant. Okay. Um, begin. It, it works incredibly well, especially for opiate addiction. Um, there are certain, there are certain... Um, drugs like methadone, suboxone, fentanyl, the, like the, the synthetics mm-hmm. that they're very, very hard to detox, um, because they, they get like right into our bones and like, they're very sticky, <laughs> Yeah, they're almost, know,
0: they're, they're too good. <laughs> yeah.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're going and doing these detoxes with Ibogaine, the, these are like really intensive treatments. It's not just like a one time. It's usually you're at a, a, a place for a few weeks to a month. Okay. Um, when I work with detoxes, I want people to to start to do the work, you know, start to get taper off. Um, a lot of people I get right out of rehab um, because I know that they've, one, they've done a lot of work in rehab and they're coming out clean, mm. clean in that moment. Yeah. Um, and I've worked with crack cocaine, meth, opiates, and the people I've worked with have been very successful. And I think the reason, well, I know the reason why Um, it's not that you're just getting the drug detox, it's you're getting to the root of why you have the addiction. And I mean, you can detox anyone all day long, but if they don't know why they're using, they're just going to go right back. You know? yeah, if
0: you don't change the fundamental belief structure, or that, thi- that thing that triggered that trauma, that past trauma that has contributed into this, you know, life story that led to self-medication and mm-hmm. again, good intentions. And so of much course. of our society, we self-medicate ourselves all the time from, you know, someone said, well, there's like, look at our society. Everyone has an addiction. It's just what addicted to shopping, addicted to work, addicted to coffee. Like there's something we're doing to numb out something else or, or, or distract ourselves. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally agree. Yeah.
0: And what's the, chemically, what's the difference between the two? So does it start as a bogan then it becomes refined or processed yeah. into ibogaine?
1: Yeah. So ibogaine is a, what, it's what, It's a single alkaloid. Um, the, the ibogaine alkaloid is still in the total alkaloid and it's still in the rhubarb. It's just at a much smaller concentration. So
0: it's just, they, they hyper concentrate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay. That, make, that makes sense. And it's yeah. just done through a chemical process. I'm right.
1: Assuming. And, um, the, the spirit of the plant is removed once it's taken to Ibogaine.
0: So do, is there the same type of um, psychological transformation that happens or is it more just purely because it does such a good job at detoxing that drug? Does it still get to the heart of the matter the same way as iboga does because you're not getting the full spiritual profile of the plant?
1: Well, to be honest, I can't answer that because, I mean, I've never done Ibogaine okay, and I, right. I don't okay. work with it yeah. and I, I don't want to give an opinion on
0: um, I, I I I absolutely appreciate that, yeah. and understand that Iboga is not is not class it's not a scheduled drug. Is that correct? Correct. It's, it's to, quote unquote to make it sound simple. It's not a legal drug.
1: Correct. Yeah, it is. Uh, Repark is illegal. or sorry, legal in yes. Canada. That's what I thought. Yeah,
0: but Ibogaine is not.
1: It is not. It is uh, restricted.
0: And is it being used like in those types of environments where they focus exclusively on you know severe addictions and yes. detox? Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Hmm. So six years went by and you've just spent two months in, in Africa you've just been back not 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 long I think we I think we met literally the day the day the day you got back we we, we, we met you you had definitely had a glow I can yeah. tell when I even, when I met you yeah. so how many times have like is that something you did and then it's just like I'm immediately going to pursue this and is it something that you go back to and do frequently or is it something that would be done you know you did it uh, six years ago and then you did it again six months after that or or has this just been a journey of gradually working towards we'll talk about your two months in Africa, because I think that's a really interesting mm-hmm. story on a lot of levels. But curious, do you do people go back to it? Is this like, oh, every weekend I'm going to do it again, or is um, this like periods of time in your life?
1: Yeah, periods of time. I, for me, it's been once a year. Okay. So i i i, I do a psycho spiritual once a year, and one thing that I found really fascinating uh, when I did it for the second time, like since I second time since Costa Rica, none of the things that I had previously processed came back.
0: Oh, that's So okay.
1: it was only from the last time I did a boga up, up until the current time is what was covered in my in my journey, in what needed okay, to wow. be addressed. Um so to me that that was like a big confirmation that I had actually really dealt with these issues. You know? Um a lot of a lot of the um doing the medicine so much any time that I get new medicine, I, I test it myself before I would give it to anyone else. Okay. Um, I want to I want to know that when my medicine is good, and I want to know that it's safe.
0: And so. I appreciate this is an organic substance. It comes from nature. Yeah. Like anything that grows, there's probably going to be weather effects. It the way it was harvested was affected. We'll get into how it even comes to be. But yeah, you know, I appreciate the fact that it is still something that's very organic.
1: Hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: Versus it's not it's not designed in a lab.
1: Yeah. Exactly so yeah, no. I mean, I, I was, I've been right to the place where it grows and where, how it's been harvested. Um, like there's lots of rituals and things around the harvesting of the medicine, the making of the medicine. And to be able to be a part of that, um, is pretty incredible. Like my time in Africa. And when I was in Africa, I mean, I kind of lost count of how many ceremonies that we did. We'll say five. Okay. Um, and you were there for eight weeks. Eight weeks, right. yeah. Um, almost daily, though we we microdosed, so it was to build our relationship with the and also build up our tolerance to have it like just naturally in our systems. And they practice the weedy practice this um, in Africa, like this is their 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 daily practice, to stay very connected to the medicine. Um, one thing I. I I wanted to touch on I really wanted to talk about um with the s- physical healing mm-hmm. so yeah we kind of skip past that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah totally we're um, jumping all over the place be- no that's I mean that's okay <laughs> so it's one of these things that I had to experience it to believe it right like when we when we hear about spontaneous healings um so I had my car accident um, I've actually had two car accidents. I had one at 17 and I had one at 34. So my accident at 34, it was a drunk driving accident and I, I broke my tailbone. I, it was, it was in- incredibly, um, not a smart thing to do, like never drink and drive. Like,
0: it was a drunken driving accident, but you were driving.
1: I was driving.
0: I and drunk. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah
1: I yeah. was driving. This was this was my wake up call. Actually, this I, was yeah, my like my huge wake up call. Um, so my father had lung cancer, and two months after my car accident, he developed brain cancer, and I blamed myself that the stress I caused my father gave him um, caused his cancer to metastasize. So. Even though I got off got off opiates, I still had this chronic back pain, and I have had it this entire you know six years. And when I went to Africa, Uganda, he when we did my physical healing, uh, he asked me. He's like, "So where is this back pain from?" Like as he yes, he was guiding me. He's like, "I want you to tell me about about what, the accident, how everything how everything happened." And I told him what I just told you. And he then he said, "Did you give your father brain cancer?" And my soul's like, no, no. And he said, okay, so what is your attachment to your pain? And I said, it's my guilt of drinking and driving. And he said, are you still attached to your guilt? And I said, no. And he said, okay, let it go. And I let it go, like in my ceremony, and my visions everything, like I watched, I literally watched it leave. Hmm. And when I finally came down from the medicine a few days later, I had no back pain. It was the first time in years I actually felt what normal was. And when we were talking about it and processing it, um, integrating, like I actually started crying because to first have no physical pain for the first time and uh, I can't remember was incredible. Um, so to s- to see how our emotions and our attachments and our, our mind creates... um oh, t-
0: totally psychosomatic and you know what what started as an injury starts to become a story which becomes a thing and i was curious did you and i've you know having injuries and being athletic my whole life and but having really good therapists like healers and you know i remember once my theo said to me i was he fixed it he's like oh how does it feel and then he goes stop stop don't go look for it just how do you feel just move just be free because I see you looking for the pain. Yeah, right. So was there any of that because your brain, or was it just literally gone?
1: It was just literally gone. Interesting. Like I remember waking up in the morning. Oh, that sounds and, so
0: freeing. Yeah. It's, uh, like, you can feel the lightness in your voice totally. as you tell the story. Oh my
1: God. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's been months now. and It's been months. Boom, that's done. That, that chapter has been... You, you dealt with it, you protest it, you put a bow on it, and you let it go. You yeah. literally let it go away. You watched it leave. Mm-hmm. What color was it? Was it a dark color? Yeah, it was dark. Was it black? Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. <laughs> so I'm just picturing this, this well, go away. Yeah. You see this mm-hmm. or move away like mm-hmm. some weird sci-fi movie.
1: Totally. Oh, uh, So
0: interesting on the, on, the, on the physical side. So some of the people you work with, have you seen... Like getting into like so many things from cancers to, you know, I, in my own issues, I've got, I deal with skin issues. I deal with mm-hmm. psoriasis and you go read about it. It's like, oh, 5% of the global population has it. We don't know what it is. It's autoimmune, which is a category that I think so many things get yeah, thrown right? into, but somewhere in my soul, I'm like, I'm causing something's out of sync here. Mm-hmm. Something's. So is that the kind of thing you would address and go like, all right, let's go in and take a scan and find out Absolutely. what story that was told X amount of years ago or whatever the case may be is now leading to the body dealing with it or showing it up that way.
1: Mm-hmm. That's exactly, exactly how, we, how, how we, we do it. We actually go, when I said we go inside the body, mm-hmm. it's, you literally go inside of yourself and you can see what you look like from the inside.
0: That sounds super trippy. Yeah,
1: right? It's like, I think there was some like Dennis Quaid movie and Meg Ryan movie back in the- Oh, where he went in the little <laughs> yeah. miniaturized
0: like spaceship yeah. and went inside people's body. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's a good visual. <laughs> so
1: for me, that's kind of what it's like um, when I'm inside my body traveling around. Um, but we do, we go into when it started, um, what's the story behind it, what's the attachment and to release it. You know, it's the same, like what's the, what's the attachment? What's like, the attachment? That's such a powerful way to think. hmm. Yeah.
0: And it's okay. It happened. It's, it's now served you. It can yeah. let it, let it, let it go free. So many things we hold on to. It just mm-hmm. becomes, you know, just a bad habit <laughs> of yeah. holding on to things. So you decide to go to Africa, uh, it's at the end of the six years. Could you have gone sooner or was it just the, like the stars aligned? You mentioned, I love how you referred to COVID and such you were so thankful. Yeah. This amazing thing came COVID that gave yeah. me an opportunity to, to, to do this. And was it just the stars aligned? Could you have done it within a year or did you, was there a bit of a rite of passage um, of, of investing time? Before it was
1: investing go? time for okay. sure. It was, um, I, I really didn't want and not, not that I, I'm making the excuse of my dad's illness, I, but I just didn't want to leave my dad. You know, I I, I wanted to be there to support him throughout his illness. And he, he's in a really good place now. So I felt it was a an opportunity that I just couldn't pass up.
0: Interesting. And did you have to... Um, did you have to get accepted? Did you have to pass on audition? Or mm. a, like, how do you get into this two yeah. months, this, uh, you know, Iboga Shaman School?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Maganda accepts you. Um, he he knew this was something that I wanted to do for a very long time. I did approach him, I believe in 2018 um, to go. Okay. And in that time, my father got ill again. So I backed out. And it's funny because Maganda, Maganda said he's like I knew you were coming. He's like I know you're coming. He's like when when it's time you'll come.
0: Time is no time, space is no yeah. space. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the stars lined up. You know, COVID happened. The world mm-hmm. conspired to to let you to to allow you, and you were ready, and, and everything went. And is this um is this more of a single? You're, so you're in a village in Gabon. Mm-hmm. You're literally in, in the, jungle in, the in, jungle in Africa. And are you there with other, are you, you said that you, we chat a little bit earlier offline, there was mm-hmm. other individuals that were there. Yeah. So how many, how many people would have gone through this process when you were there? And I'm assuming they do cohorts. There's waves of people that come different times a year.
1: Right. Um. So there was approximately a dozen of us. Um. Some people, so like myself now, who's like finished like all of my training for uh, to work with the medicine and to do detox. And because we've been initiated into the into the tribe, into the village, we are now considered family. Mm. So we can go back to Africa, go back, go back to Maganda's village um, any time we want um, at no cost, just to go to uh, further our training, learn more of the Buiti tradition. And I mean... I've been home for I think two months now, and I still daily talk to people I met in the village on like online stay connected that way, uh, thank
0: you clarified. I'm like, so how are you talking to them exactly? Oh, <laughs> well, I mean yeah, yeah, spirit world, <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah of course, it's always online. <laughs> Uh, what's the present? So that's interesting. So is this a I'm assuming this is a global phenomenon in the point that There's people from probably all corners of the world that do this What's this like and where is it at in terms of its awareness and maybe acceptance? Or is it still a real subculture or is this starting to grow from a North American perspective?
1: Um, I definitely think it's starting to grow um, when I first Sat with Eboga and I told people what it was. They're like Ebola What like Africa? <laughs> And I'm like, no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, but now when you mention iboga, um, people who are, you know, savvy to plant medicines and to like the psychedelic, um, you know, the, the, the new um, look, the way that psychology and... Yeah. Um, the direction it seems going. to be
0: popping up everywhere it's, it's on my mind so I'm seeing it yeah. but the books the articles the people I know that are taking their psych degrees now and it's actually being taught and brought up as, mm-hmm. as, a, as a way forward I think it's really interesting how the 60s and 70s and some of the, yeah. the the experimentation and testing that went on there in psychotherapy is now coming back around and some mm-hmm. I've been listening to some podcasts and like these are individuals that have been fighting for 40 years to get psychedelics brought back into the scientific realm of testing and mm-hmm. so I'm assuming this is all part of that that movement
1: oh absolutely
0: is there a phenomenon from a society perspective are we just waking up to an alternative is the world all of a sudden like in canada we've legalized we've legalized cannabis so now we're maybe okay with drugs and they're like my mom is now taking cbd where that would have never happened Mm -hmm. you know six months ago is this also part of that or is there just a global awakening where people are looking for other ways to just live a better life
1: i i do think it's a global awakening like We've done what we can for so long, and it's you know, it for some people it's working for, but for many people it isn't. Mm-hmm. And, um, it I don't find it very unusual to go back to the traditional way. Um, but yeah, these plant medicines are offering something that, um, you know, pharmaceuticals just aren't able to offer. You know, they in, in they term- tried their best. Yeah, absolutely. I think they did. They tried yeah. their best. I'm not
0: saying that that, that ship has sailed because I think mm-hmm. there's places for that, but there's certain elements of our psyche and who we are as humans It doesn't seem to be serving. It seems to be creating, back to opiates, seems to be creating more problems than it's solving.
1: Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, the more, M- Mugenda is one of the um, only shamans who trains Westerners to, to mm-hmm. use this plant medicine. And when he first started doing this, he got a little bit of a uh, backlash Um From back home.
0: Don't, don't share it with them. (laughs)
1: Right. Um, but he actually received a message from Iboga that he needs to do this because, you know, we're, we need it. Like we, we need this medicine. There are billions of people that, that need this type of healing. And unless, unless it's brought to us and, and taught to us and have other Westerners giving the medicine, um, it would stay quite, um, like remote and unknown.
0: Right. Interesting. So I, I appreciate the. So from uh, how how many people like yourself that have been certified to level like in Canada? I'm assuming you all know each other. We do. There's probably do. a pretty small community. So what is the community like? Are we talking dozens of people? or Are we talking hundreds of people?
1: Um, I'd say dozens up to around a hundred. Okay. Um, but it's growing every year. Like I'd say it's about ten people every year, okay. and you know the it's just gonna it's just gonna build and build and build of you know. it gets
0: out there and people experience it and people share their experiences and people are looking for other ways and mm-hmm. nothing. And again, the last 10 months of COVID and social isolation and we're not distracting ourselves with, you know, travel and some of the things that like, you know, not that that, not that that's bad, but it's a, it's, it's an easy way to cover up going, well, maybe I need to look at myself for a few minutes and that's yeah. tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, are people actively searching it out? Like, I'm just, I'm curious of this, you know, someone's going to listen to this podcast, they're going to go like, well, can I go do this? Is, there, is it offered here? Do I have to travel? Do mm-hmm. I have to go? So it is legal. Yeah, it so is there's legal. no, that's like, because I know sometimes there's like, oh, that isn't that, you know, psychedelics or psilocybin, that's illegal, where this does not fit into that into that category. So you could literally call you up and set it up and do a ceremony.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes.
0: Oh, That's exciting. Mm-hmm. Sure people are scribbling down like, when's he going to tell her name? And i "We're going to write it down. <laughs> Um curious is just from a comparative perspective and a few years ago I had quite a few people in my life that I knew that they went down the ayahuasca path mm-hmm. and that was and they became like this is this is the way and then I got introduced and it somehow it just never resonated with me for whatever reason I don't know and then all of a sudden I start learning about Iboga and I'm like oh there's a level of curiosity and I'm interested and there's something about it it showed up different even on my in in, in, in my view in my radar screen how would you compare the two just for maybe my own sake of trying to understand the difference
1: mm. uh, so I, I explain the differences one is Earth and one is Mars like they are two com- they are two complete planets well, uh, Like well, the- which one's Earth and which one's <laughs> Mars because I'm familiar with uh, one I'm not that familiar with that I, I would say ebogas are. <laughs> okay okay um but and i have sat with ayahuasca so i do have first experience with both medicines okay and um iboga is knowing and ayahuasca is feeling hmm, okay. um like iboga, iboga is pure truth like everything you're going to be shown is the absolute truth um it, I My experiences with ayahuasca have been a bit tricky. They okay. have been very hard to navigate. Um, not that it isn't a beautiful, valuable medicine. Okay. It's just not my medicine.
0: Okay. No, which is absolutely yeah. fair.
1: Um, and like I, I did mention earlier, erboga offers physical healing and spiritual healing and spiritual discovery. And it's the only plant medicine on the planet that can offer all three. Whereas... I mean, I look, I think of ayahuasca and I'm like, well, does it offer a physical healing? I'm like, yeah, it, it can. And I'm like, spiritually, when I look at, at, at my, my ceremonies with ayahuasca, you know, it did make me feel like a lot of love, of course, like connectedness to the people in the room that I was with. Um, but it was very fleeting. Like the, it didn't last. Okay. Um I found on the other hand with a boga, this is like, this is something that's long lasting, you know, the, the, the insights and the teachings that I got, like they stick with me and it's, it's just something that it it just really resonated with me. Like the truth, you know, you can't lie, you can't lie to it. You can't go into your story as where I noticed with ayahuasca, I could go into my story. Oh, inter-
0: interesting. Mm-hmm. We're you know thinking about looking your soul in the eye and it looking back at you and you having a straight up conversation. That doesn't feel like an opportunity for lying. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, like your soul called. <laughs> like my soul, like jumped on my chest and was like liar. You know, when I wouldn't admit... Oh, this is like such a movie scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just
0: like in my mind immediately. Yeah. So interesting. So how does that compare? Then, since we're going down this comparison, mm-hmm. and thank you for just like my brain works. Well, I, yeah. I like comparisons, this versus that. What about high doses of psilocybin or LSD as psychedelics? Because I was recently reading a book on, you know, changing your mind you know through transcendence and the history of psychedelics. And they talked a lot about those specifics. Didn't talk about Iboga as much. I don't think, I don't even know if they mentioned it. It might've just been a brief footnote, but they were talking about specifically... Um, like three, four grams of psilocybin mm-hmm. or a large dose. I forget exactly what the dose was of, of LSD with a guide in a very mm-hmm. controlled environment. So it was very much therapeutic. It wasn't a quote unquote party dose. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so yeah, psilocybin I've, I've used in my past and it, I, I use it um, responsibly, like not recreationally and mm-hmm. not, not that recreate, there's anything wrong with recreation, but for me it was more to use for healing. Um, it, it, It did help me in managing my my depression. Okay. Um, My experience with psilocybin was um, quite, I'll say, magical. You know, my visions were very fractal, very fractally. um, Not a lot of reality, though. Okay. It didn't give me a lot of, like, reality. It kind of let me go into fantasy, Mm, you know. And for me, you know... (laughs) Going into, like, my aliens and believing in all of these extraterrestrials. <laughs> it, it, it amplified that. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah mm-hmm. You know, and, like, the okay. fifth dimension. Um, okay. That, for me, that was, like, the difference. Like, it, it took me out of reality a little bit.
0: Okay. Interesting for a comparison and the, the crisp and clear of it, you know, different types of hallucinations mm-hmm. where it lets your brain go. And mm-hmm. yeah, doing some reading re- recently on some of the work that they're doing in psychotherapy using that when it guided. And again, everyone has their own experience. Like oh, there's, there's no universal, this is what's going to happen. They mm-hmm. talked about how much the experience was influenced by the frame that the guide created and even the room that they were in. And if it was how spiritual it was, was based on how much of that was brought in versus mm-hmm. religious undertones and how influenced it felt from the outside where listening to you talk about uh iboga it very much is that like that's not as much the case this is your journey and it's mm-hmm. what comes out from your own interaction with the yeah. medicine interesting okay wow so many well we've covered a lot of topics tonight I really appreciate you sharing and one uh, I just want to really thank you for just your level of honesty and depth in terms of understanding your story and kind of what you went through because in my in my world the more that you can connect and understand what someone someone's process to get somewhere it makes it so much easy to relate to you. and then add your own filter and go hmm where might this add value in my life or where mm-hmm. might this take me so with that in said what is the road ahead you've come back you're now at this position in your life to now go out and and help and facilitate and do this with people. Is this is this starting a business? Is this putting it out to the world and seeing what comes back? Like, what's what's the next step?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that that's the plan. You know, I I I'm a bridge between um, the medicine and the people that need it. And I I went to to Africa to get my training so that I could come here and offer this um, to to people who are ready and people who need it. So yeah, starting a business is definitely. Um, is what what I'm in the progress of doing right now, getting a website. Um. Right now, a, a lot of the people I'm working with, it's I, and I've always gotten referral, very referral based.
0: I can imagine the word of mouth factor yeah, here, and the people huge. that are ready to hear it probably hear it loud and clear right away. Mm-hmm. And are you seeing all kinds from people like that? I just want to. I just want to discover a deeper version of myself, or I want to maybe, you know, life's pretty good, but maybe I want to just do a tune up or, maybe just, mm-hmm. maybe I'm just adventurous. I want to go yeah. exploring to like, no, no, I have some serious things I need to deal with. I'm assuming you probably run into all flavors.
1: All of them. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, um, one woman who, who, she just strictly wants to have a, um, spiritual experience, hmm. you know, and then also, you know, working with someone struggling with, opiate addiction and everyone in between you know like this medicine doesn't discriminate to who who needs it or who wants it you know
0: but it sounds like you're also going to get kind of your own version of whatever it is you need when you show up there
1: exactly being that
0: it is so so individual Mm -hmm. so so interesting well uh, I'm, I'm so, 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 such an interesting dialogue and so much to process. And I think it's a really, I think it's just really timely because I do feel there's an openness right now out there. And mm-hmm. just even conversations I'm having. I was an executive, I'm in an executive leadership group. And I mentioned that I'd been experienced with microdosing. And a few years ago, that would have been met with like kind of slide looks. And, you know, these are all CEOs and leaders. And three people came over and after, and they're like, hmm. You want to, uh, maybe we should talk a little more about that. I'm really, I'm really curious. There's just an openness all of a sudden where it's just kind of bubbled mm-hmm. up to the service where quote unquote, it's kind of slipping into more mainstream, whatever that is, versus people that are maybe a little bit in the subculture of the, you know, the world of narcotics and being comfortable with that from maybe it moved from recreational. Now we've all gotten, some of us have gotten older and go, oh, maybe I'll have a different relationship with these things now in, in, in my life, but it creates openness to these experiences and just wanting to live the best, most full life you can.
1: That's right Yeah exactly what
0: like, it is Yeah whatever that is yeah. well, What's the best way For people to get a hold of you They're sitting here They're dying of curiosity What's what what's, what's Website Email How do I reach out
1: um, Well websites um, In the process
0: Okay well, we'll, well By the time we get this live yeah. We're gonna get that We'll share that
1: um, But otherwise through email And it's Truthofthesoul13 At gmail.com
0: this all 13 at gmail.com and do you have an instagram linkedin anything like that that you want to share or just emails the best
1: um emails the best right now
0: okay perfect yeah. well we'll leave it at that and this has been a fantastic conversation i'm very informed um my curiosity has been quenched just a little bit but i'm sure i'll, I'll follow up questions so i'd love to continue this dialogue and share and uh, i thank you so much and wish you all the best on your event on your adventures
1: thank you so much for having me tyler
0: my absolute pleasure